Before we jump into this sermon today, I just want to share a few facts about myself that some of you guys might not know. Um, some of you might, and some of you might not. But first thing is, I was born in Calgary. I was raised in Calgary, and I've lived most of my life in Calgary. I am a die-hard Flames fan. Because I've been born and raised here, I'm a die-hard Calgary Flames fan. And those of you who have been lucky enough to make it into my office here at the church, I have a giant Flames flag in there, you would know that. But that means another thing about me. There's two groups of people that annoy me more than anyone else. And those two groups of people are Vancouver Canuck fans and Edmonton Oiler fans. I know some of you guys might be like, what? I'm an Oiler fan, I'm a Canuck fan. Well, I'm just up here saying that you kind of annoy me. I think you guys cheer for the wrong team, obviously. I think you guys have wrong beliefs. And I think you guys um, are a little too cocky. And that annoys me. And it would be very rare for me to want to pray for somebody that annoys me. It'd be rare for me to want to pray for someone that I disagree with. Um, and if I did pray, I would, I would pray to God, you know what, God? Change their attitude. Change their attitude, make them a better person, a.k.a. cheer for a better team. But I actually want to pause for a second and imagine praying for somebody that has seriously harmed you, not someone who has just annoyed you, not someone who you disagree with on occasion, but someone who has caused serious damage in your life or someone you love's life. Would you want to pray for that person? And if you do want to pray for that person, what would you pray? Uh, we are a part of a world that claims an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Um, we're in a culture right now that is becoming increasingly more vicious towards people we disagree with, towards people we don't like, and towards people we hate. And it's, it's getting a little scary, and that's why I was called... I just felt called by God today to preach um, the passage that I'm going to preach on. But it's easy to hang out with people that we like. It's easy to pray for people we like. It's easy to do everything with people we like. It's easy to care about people we like. Um, it's not hard for me to do that. I love hanging out with people I like. But vengeance and hatred is so ingrained throughout our world. Uh, we have classic cowboy movies. Or if we want a more up-to-date version, we have a movie like John Wick. And what are the premise of these stories? The premise is somebody does something horrible to you, to someone you love, or to animals you love. You know, they might kill your dog. And what do you do? You go on a revenge mission, and you serve out your own version of justice. And you know what? I don't think there's many of us at Bonavista Baptist that uh, have the capability or skills to do what John Wick does, or the want to do that. But we have been taught from a very young age that we are called to take back and fight for what's rightfully ours. We are taught to deliver justice to evil people. And what's crazy about the Bible and about Jesus is that isn't really what he thinks we should do. And there's this crazy passage in Scripture. comes from the Gospel of Luke. I know it's already been read for us today, but I just want to read it again. And it comes from Luke 6, uh, verse 27 uh, going to verses 36, so 27 to 36. And it says this, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. 
If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. And I'm going to be completely honest. This is the part of the gospel for me that I ignore the most. It's the one that I will make the most excuses to not do. Pray for my enemies? No way. Do good to those who hate me? Uh, That sounds really dumb and naive. If someone steals my dope sneakers, give them my other ones too? No. What if I don't have anything to give to someone who begs for me? I'm barely holding on to my own life. I'm going to worry about myself first. Is it even humanly possible to do these things that Jesus says? Jesus must be joking, right? That's automatically what I think. This has to be an exaggeration. It has to be a joke. But I'm here to say that these are some of the most difficult, controversial, and radical demands Jesus ever put out into the world, and they're real. They're in the Bible, and they're in the mouth of Jesus. And we as Christians are called to live that way, and we should live that way. So the question that comes to my mind and probably comes to your mind is how? How do I get to a point in my heart that I can do this. As a follower of Jesus, what am I actually called to do? And I just want to start off before we really dive in, I want to start off with this. Our default response should be to respond to hatred with love. To actually have these responses be our default responses, we have to be changed at the root of our being. And there's only one person who can do that, and it's God. Romans 5.10 states, For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, By the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. One of my favorite pastors, theologians, John Piper, says this, The root origin of loving your enemies is to experience being loved as an enemy of God. I'll say that again. The root origin of loving your enemies is to experience being loved as an enemy of God. We need to understand that God loved us while we were his enemies, and we are called to do the same. And I want to keep that in mind before we really dive into this passage. Jesus begins this section by saying, love your enemies. He again repeats that in verse 35. In between these verses, he lays out concrete examples to illustrate exactly what he means. It seems pretty simple, right? But it's not. Sadly, I wish it was. Um, He organizes these two sets of three examples. Firstly, he says, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. In the second set of three, he says, to the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And these are organized in this specific way for emphasis. And there's a huge emphasis on the word you in the original Greek. In verses 27 to 28, You is plural. When Jesus tells us to love, do good, bless and pray for our enemies and those who hate us or abuse us, he is speaking to the crowd. In verses 29 to 30, you is singular. When Jesus tells us to turn the other cheek, give to the one who begs from us, he is speaking to you and me personally. 
In verse 31, you is back to being plural. And what I believe this is getting at is loving our enemies and doing good is both something that we should do as a community of believers and also personally as individuals. It should be how the church responds and how we respond personally. What does love your enemies really mean, though? That's what I want to get at. What does it really mean? The word love is not talking about having warm and fuzzy feelings of endearment for people who mistreat or abuse you. I'm not going to stand up here and say you have to go out and just start hugging everyone who's been mean to you your entire life. You might have to, but that might not be the way it works. The word love here is not directed at feelings, but actions. With the principle of love and the six examples, Jesus is establishing that we, as his followers, are not to let people of lesser principles set the agenda. As Christians, we are not to let people of lesser principles set the agenda. In other words, we aren't going to wait to see what the other person will do before we decide what we will do. We take the initiative always by loving, praying for, blessing, and doing good first. When you find out someone talks bad about you behind your back, or someone you love, they're talking bad about them behind their back, um, or someone's mean to you at work, at school, in your neighborhood, what do we do as Christians? We take the first step to reconciliation. We act first out of love. We offer up forgiveness. And I'm not saying we act naive and silly, but, and we don't defend ourselves or people we love. That's not what I'm saying. But our first reaction and our default response should always be love. Love can overcome. And I think a lot of us would be really surprised if we actually experience love and what the power of love can do to the world. It's not out there very much, and that's why we don't know the power of it. But if we as a church start living that love and start sending that out to the world, I think we would really see a power that we haven't seen before. And we must understand that people are people and people are created in the image of God. People are greater than our disagreements. People are greater than our political views. People are greater than our money. And people are greater than our need for security. And that's what Jesus is trying to get at, is that we should have an open heart of love in all instances. If someone is hurting, bless them how you can. If someone needs something from you or begs from you, offer up what you can. If someone mistreats you, don't act out of vengeance. Don't automatically go to hate and anger. It's okay sometimes to be angry, but offer up reconciliation and forgiveness. If someone mistreats you, don't just go straight to vengeance. Offer up reconciliation and forgiveness. Pray for your enemies, people you disagree with and don't like. Maybe, maybe it's somebody on Facebook that has massively different political views than you. I know there's a lot of people on mine, and I really get down sometimes reading people's comments on social media, and I sometimes just think, you know what? I'm done with that person. But that's not what we're, we're called to do as Christians. We are called to pray for people we disagree with. We are called to love people we disagree with. We are called to pray for people who mistreat us and abuse us, and we are called to love our enemies. Pray for your enemies people we disagree with and don't like. After all, if we don't do this, how are we any different than the world? And Jesus says that in verses 32 to 34. Even sinners will love people that they like. They'll lend to people that they like. But we as Christians are called to a higher standard. We as Christians are called to give good whether we receive good or bad. The church needs to step up 
and show the world a countercultural view. It's literally opposite of what the world believes. A countercultural view of love, kindness, and forgiveness. Let's show the world how free we are from vengeance, how free we are from the love of money, how free we are from the need for security. Closing out, Jesus tells us again to love our enemies. He puts a lot of emphasis on loving our enemies. He also offers us true hope. And I think this is a really important part of this little section of verses here. And he says, and your reward will be great. We might think like we are getting nothing for our actions now. And we, we don't do good things. We are not called to do good things um, for accolades or ego boosts. The Bible says we aren't supposed to do things publicly so that we feel better about ourselves. But what God does say is that our reward will be great. There is literally a reward for us in heaven that is beyond what we can ever imagine, greater than we can ever imagine. And it's waiting for us if we love God and we love his people. We can take solace and encouragement in that. There is a reward waiting for us in heaven, and it's greater than we can ever imagine. I can't think of it. You probably can't think of it. But it's there if we love God and we love his people here on earth. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And that's a powerful verse um, of encouragement. You know, sometimes doing the right thing can be hard, and sometimes doing good all the time um, can get us down because we feel like we get nothing in return. But there is a reward in heaven, and it's going to be crazier than we can ever imagine. You know, as I finish up this morning, I want to challenge myself especially myself, and I want to challenge us as a church. What ways can we step out and show love, kindness, and forgiveness? How can we show reconciliation in our neighborhoods, to our friends and family, to the city of Calgary? I want us to think, what are ways we can do that? It's tough, it really is, but God has called us to something so much greater than the world, and we can live that out starting right now, like right now. I can leave this church, and I can start spreading love, kindness, and forgiveness. And it's a powerful thing. And I think if we actually do that, um, then we would really see uh, a changed world. We would see a less broken world, and we would see a world that truly loves one another. And that's what God is talking about when he says, his kingdom come. We are called to bring his kingdom to earth. And as I'm closing today, I'm gonna pray and as I pray, I'd like you to just close your eyes and think of someone, maybe it's someone at work, maybe it's someone at school, maybe it's some, one of your neighbors, um, someone who annoys you, someone you just ignore, someone you really don't like, or someone who has actually caused serious damage in your life. I would like you to think of that person, and as I'm praying, I would like you to pray your own personal prayer over that person. And not just a prayer of God change that person's attitude, make them a better person, but pray that you can show that person the love of Christ. Pray that they can experience the love of Christ in their life. As I'm praying, I would just like you guys to do that. So, Lord, we understand that, uh, God, that living out your gospel isn't as easy as we wish it was. Sometimes I'm reading the word. Sometimes I'm reading what your son Jesus said when he was here on earth. And I go, really? That sounds impossible. I can't do that. I'm going to skip over that part of the Bible, or I'm only going to do it some of the time. But God, we as Christians have been called 
to love everyone, our enemies, people we disagree with, people we don't like, people who have even been mean to us, abused us, or mistreated us. And God, that is a huge wake-up call for me personally, and I think a huge wake-up call in the culture we live in for the church. It is our responsibility, Lord, to step out and show the world your love, your kindness, your forgiveness. After all, we are called to be salt and light. And God, I pray that as we go into this week, that you would just show us ways, Lord. You would put people on our minds and on our hearts, Lord, that we can love, that we can be better, um, yeah, that we can be better people to God, ultimately, that we can show that person your love because we've experienced your love and that's something that everyone should experience. We should want people to experience that. So God, I pray that as we go into this week, yeah, that you would just give us the power and, yeah, the strength and encouragement to do that. And God, we love you, and we just pray this in your name. Amen.